So you got a little downtime. Are you enjoying it, sir? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Been training a lot, sleeping a lot. So, you know, recovery and training, two of my favorite things. So, yeah, definitely enjoying it. That's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a couple weeks and then I'll have a week off. So I'll be doing the same thing, going to see mom. I just saw her recently. So that's a good thing. Always um, a good thing. Anything special that you're working on in your training right now? Ooh, good question. Always. I've always got multiple topics that I'm always working on, but it can change over time depending on sort of either new information or maybe discoveries by me, or maybe I just get tired of working on a particular aspect or topic and then I'll, I'll change it. But yeah, you know, but it, it, almost all of it translates back to the basics. So I'm either, it's always like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe working on a, a particular way of motion or a particular type of uh, con- conceptual idea, but I'll apply it to footwork or I'll apply it to hand methods or I'll apply it to the body method or I'll apply it to a particular fist or a palm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's always, it's always that sort of topic. And and that's just that's the way I, I tend to train. I enjoy it. it. Keeps things interesting. Keeps things fresh. I rotate things in and out. Um, but yeah. So how about you? Right now, I'm doing a lot of the staff work and the knife work in Wing Chun, and just refreshing the first form. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've been working uh, right now with uh, Denver Shaolin and Tai Chi. You can find him on social media at fifty two eighty Shaolin, and uh, just going over the, some of the basic drillings. Nice. Things like that. Uh, Making sure that my wording and vocabulary is good there. Uh, As far as uh, working on the material that you're teaching me, uh, I've been doing a lot of the the Fajin drills Mm. specifically for Mm -hmm. the five elements and Xing Yi and kind of isolating those as well as as trying to incorporate standing practice in. Mm. And then uh, I'll work a month or two at a time on an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been very Barry Eagleish right now. I haven't I haven't done that one uh, in a while, and I'm I'm finding a lot of use in it, especially since I've started the circle walking practice, mm. and uh, it's got a different flavor, a uh, very much a different feel, uh, because you know my stance and posture is changing sure. and getting better from the Bagua work, and uh, yeah, just uh, as far as the Bagua goes, just having days where I'm doing just the straight line stuff. Or, or just a circle walking and just trying to get in, get it into the body mm-hmm. because it's all new. That, that's a, that's a new practice. I'm not even a year into it. And every time I do it, not only do I have a good practice, but I'm like, man, that is so rich and deep. It, it really is. And, uh, it, it's like a complex coffee or a, an advanced, you know, wine or, you know, maybe a whiskey or, you know, got to do the food related food, food or drink. Right. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, there's so much in there. And uh, there, there was a great commercial uh, a while back in the early 2000s, and uh, it was a Frank's Red Hot commercial. I'll do a shout-out to Frank's Red Hot. We, they, they need to sponsor a kung fu show, don't they? And uh, it was this little old – I don't like, like it. You, you don't like Frank's? <sighs> Dude, I'll take it. I got you. Yeah. Don't, don't you, get the, you get the rest of my Frank's Red Hot. For uh, the rest of my the, life? Yep. Yeah. They got Absolutely. it. Not a problem. Done. Not, I, I got delegate you. that to you. You got it. So there was a little old lady – and they're like, well, why does your stuff taste so good? And she's like, Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. And so that's kind of – Bagua has become my Frank's Red Hot. Like I'll, I'll do a little warm-up before I weight lift, and that warm-up includes circle walking for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then I'll go lift weights, or I'll do it at the end of weightlifting, mm-hmm. or I'll do it like 10 or 15 minutes of Bagua, and then I'll do a full Shingi practice. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do 10 or 15 minutes of Bagua, and then I'll do a full Wing Chun practice. Or I'll do 10 or 15 minutes of Bagua, 
then I'll go swing my Indian clubs, do some Tai Chi ball, and then either do some Shingy sword work or some Wing Chun sword work or staff work. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'll do Bagua alone. But sure. but it just like I I I feel like getting into the deep tissues and the rotation and the lower back and the hips and the shoulders, everything that that Bagua does, even for a short amount of time is enough to, uh, it, it just makes everything that I do that much better. And so I, I've really used that as my, my new sprinkle sauce, if you will, on the absolutely everything. And I, and I find it beneficial mm. for uh, enhancing everything. So, you know, kind of going back to our last episode, I wanted to ask you something. I, I had, uh, uh, we're not going to name any names, but I ran into somebody and uh, rehashed an old topic about teachers and how we teach and how we train. And uh, somewhere in our state, there is a teacher that is about to age out. They're just, they're getting too old to do it mm-hmm. physically anymore. Well, sure. and they don't have a successor. Mm-hmm. And they've been teaching for 35 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. And what I've heard for, directly from one of his ex-students that was with him for 15 years was that this certain teacher had felt that nobody had the skills or nobody had the 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 drive mm-hmm. or or that kind of thing sure and that school has had turned out hundreds of students with no successor mm-hmm. how much of that is on the teacher's shoulders how much of that is on the student's shoulders and 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 how how much practicality do we have to teach or train four to five hours a day in a Western world? Yeah, I mean that's the, the that was the first thing I was going to bring up is you know sort of and you and I've talked about this before, but really you know you and I are you know we we have jobs, we have lives, we have other things going on, um, like most people. So you know we we do martial arts and we train a lot. I mean, considering how much time we actually have free to train, I devote a lot of my time to doing that. But I think that that's where the you know that's where the rub is, so to speak, is you know if this person is a professional teacher and has been you know a professional martial artist and they were teaching professionally for 35 years and they didn't have somebody who came along at that point well let me put it this way if they were professional and they were able to support themselves and that was their livelihood and they weren't able to uh produce somebody who they could name as their successor or several somebodies i find that highly questionable i'm like that's really the in my opinion that's the teacher that's the that's the teacher's fault. If they and maybe I don't you know my other question is is like did he want a successor? Did he want somebody to carry on? I mean, you know what I mean? Like some people, some people don't. Some people are just like yeah, fuck it. This is this everybody you guys kind of die with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like the old Stuart Olson thing with T.T. Leong. It's like yeah, steal my art. And if you can't steal my art, then you're not gonna fucking get it. Sure, absolutely. And not necessarily that, that that's where – What a good book too. Have you read that? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure, sure you've read that yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. yeah, read that several times. But not uh, – you know, that that particular point I – wasn't, I wasn't saying that that's what – that's what like T.T. Leong was conservative with his teachings and you had to steal the art. I was just using that as kind of the, the sure, general absolutely. example just so we're clear about that. That, yeah, you know, I think a lot of – especially these days, a lot of uh, – 
a lot of learning in my experience is as a teacher and as a student really comes down to, you got to want it. And especially with the internal martial arts, especially in Chinese martial arts in general, but, and that's kind of what I can speak to, but internal martial arts for sure, just because it's so complicated, there's so much to it. There's so much depth to it that if you don't like, I mean, if you want it just, just like a health practice, that's cool. You can get it, but it's still going to take some effort. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If you're, if you're changing your body structure and your stance, mm-hmm. that is not an overnight process. Nope. Uh, unless, unless somebody, you know, you're going to a chiropractor or something like that. Mm-hmm. And still, you know, you're going to have to change the tissues because something pulled the skeleton out of place. Sure. So you're going to have to work those deep tissues. Yeah. You know, and that, I think that's, that's kind of the tail of the tape. So when I hear things like that, and then I, you know, depending on that person's motivation, I mean, like I said, maybe they didn't give a shit. Maybe they didn't care. They were just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really intend on passing all this along. But if they did, and that was part of, you know, their intent as a teacher, which in my, I, at least in my way of thinking that if you're going to be a teacher, you should try to teach and pass along what you know and be effective, then that's probably on them. That'd be my two cents. You know, I, something, and we're going to go back to, I'm, I'm going to mention a young man. Uh, this gentleman's name is uh, Liam. And I want to say this was about five or six years ago. And uh, I was doing some shingy in a class that you might have run. Pretty sure it was you. And, uh, you know, I, there was a new thing that you were teaching. And it was when we were more shingy specific as a, as a unified class. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And Liam's like, dude, it's global globalized. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, anything new that you learn in this class is a variation of something that you already know. So go ahead and learn this new thing. Don't be afraid to learn it and work on it because it might make you better at something that, that you already have in your training mm-hmm. curriculum mm-hmm. and belt. Sure. And, you know, I wonder if people as a teacher and a system – they look at things like, oh, well, that sword form is too advanced for them. Well, then break it apart into pieces and teach little pieces of that mm. because that might help your student raise in their skill level and raise in your bar that you've set in your head. Mm-hmm. If you if you bring – you're not dumbing anything down, but if you make it more accessible and and – little pieces of whatever this advanced curriculum that you have. Mm -hmm. If you teach little sections and little pieces of it, you don't even have to tell them what it is. You're like, this is a drill that we're learning for, you know, organizing the body in a different way that you're not used to. Mm -hmm. Or this is a drill that's going to organize a power source in your body that you're not used to. And you give them that and they take it home and they repeat it and they add this little piece into their practice. Well, then all of a sudden in a few months, you're like, oh my God, that that changed how they move their other stuff. Sure. And then you introduce, okay, this was the pieces of this spear form. Mm-hmm. This was the pieces of this sword form. And then you teach them the whole form. Well, that advanced work is going to make the foundational work and the medi- medium level work that much better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just I, – I don't see – I don't know. And you know, one of the, the beefs with this teacher that has no successor – was saying how, you know, the Chinese martial arts are failing these days. And there's truth to that. I was going to say, I wouldn't argue with that too Yeah, much. not at all. But how much of it has to rest on the teacher's shoulders? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and he's, you know, that this particular person, I, I don't know who this person is, but it's, that's not the first time I've heard that story, you know, 
that I, if I haven't found a worthy successor, then, you know, fuck it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to teach what I know. And if you can't, you know, if you haven't found a worthy student who's willing to make the sacrifice to learn what they know, you know, it's, 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 a, that's a, it's a long road to hoe, especially, you know, as you get older. But I think a lot of it, like I was saying, is kind of incumbent. It's incumbent on the teacher to, you know, lead the student as far as they can go. And, you know, I, I've had, I, I consider myself a pretty open teacher and I teach, I try to teach to where that person is, you know, in terms of their nervous system and their body and their coordination and kind of who they are as a person. Um, but compared to the way I learned, I feel like I'm spoon feeding most of my students and that's okay. I mean, it's just, just kind of the way it is right now. So, and I'm okay with that because they seem to get it. I, and having some sort of organization and having some level of uh, sort of accountability when they come to class, uh-huh. uh, I think that, you know, me being organized and presenting the material in an organized manner where somebody can like go through and they're like, oh, okay, this is this, or this is a, this is a hand method. This is a footwork method. This is a body method. This is, and being able to break down those individual pieces and then put them back together in a, in a particular form or piece and then point out where those, those individual skills live inside of those forms. I think it's really important. Uh, there was a big learning place for me. Um, you know, and I know that a lot of my students are more appreciative, but I have some really, really long-term students. I have people who've been there for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. And, you know, they know, they know that the way that I'm presenting this material has changed a lot in that period of time. So, you know, I, I, you know, to go back and like, look at my older students and kind of see where they're at, um, in their own practices and then look at the brand new students and see kind of where they're at and what their learning curve is. I hope that I can contrast the two of them. And I see that the new students are learning more and better than my older students did. That's, you know, as a teacher, that's kind of all I can really hope for is that, you know, I'm doing a better job presenting the material in a more sort of logical and uh, improved way. It's it's funny too, though, and I'm going to say this as a compliment to you, and uh, hopefully it's something that I work on myself, is I've never taken off both of the caps. I still try to be a student and a teacher. Yeah, and I, as a teacher, I'm still trying to learn how to be better so those two things can kind of be married and blended somehow. And I think there's a lot of the, you know, sifus out there mm. that have gotten out of the student level and have completely divorced themselves from learning to be better teachers. Sure. And it, it just it's one reason that I've kind of been I've kind of taken down that title. I just, it's not something that I'm looking for. Yeah. I've never used anything yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, coach is good. And, and I've had a lot of, and as well as good martial arts teachers, a lot of the coaches that I've had between wrestling, football, powerlifting, weightlifting, um, even vocal coaches, you know, I sang opera mm-hmm. back in the day and a lot, and a lot of the way that they taught how to do a physical skill was super insightful to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I looked at them, you know, as, as a high level teacher and a good teacher. So I, I love my coaches. I, I revered them as much as I do any sensei guru or Sifu. So I, I just, I'm not about the title and, you know, wearing that badge. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this goes back to, you know, what we had initially started talking about as well with, with this, this individual, you know, is, is, is that, uh, and I've never done it, so I don't know, but is it, 
is that somewhere you have to sort of hang your hat if you're a full-time teacher, right? Versus somebody who like me, who teaches like part-time, less than part-time and, you know, and who's taken the art seriously as a practitioner and a teacher, but has never, I never had the investment in like the, I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher now. So therefore, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and so I don't, I don't know what that mantle looks like if I was to wear it, but by the same token, you know, you have to be able to take a step back and, you know, you, you may not know it all. And, and I think that a lot of people, you know, the seafoods in particular and that kind of stuff, they really, who are full-time teachers and who have this, uh, you know, they, they're less where their, their living's made, you know? So they, I think it may be more incumbent on them to have to know it and have to, you know, be the authority and to be, you know, whatever that is, whether it's they're the best sparrer, they're the best forms and they're the, they have all of the best stuff. So, yeah, you know, I don't know, but, um, I know at least from my little corner of the universe, that's never really been a concern of mine. I I've always been fairly open with, you know, other people's ideas and, uh, you know, and in terms of like bringing in like different teachers, uh, from inside, like the eats on school in particular, um, and having, you know, being able to have those conversations with, with, uh, different people who have studied the art. Cause I always make a joke and, you know, I really think it's true though, that I always, I always said you had to, you have to triangulate the art, you know, you always, you can't like one, one source of knowledge is good Two is better because it'll give you a perspective. But that third, that third point in, in space of somebody who's been a long-term practitioner inside of a particular system, I think really, at least for me, was super enlightening. It was like, oh, okay, right. You know, being able to ask the same question to three different people and get their take on it. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it's a similar answer. Sometimes it's a slightly different answer. Sometimes it's a totally different answer because this person approaches that particular piece of material in a completely different way. This, you know, somebody's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is the application, you know. And then somebody else is like, oh, no, this is more just like a gong, you know, you just train it. And then somebody else is like, oh, no, you know, all the pieces have to have applications, but they can also be a gong. So, you know. Who knows? But I've always thought that the idea of triangulating the art is is uh, is was super important. So that's kind of a good point right there. Um, maybe a good transitional point, too, is. Um, let, let's just say let's just look at low as a teacher. Well, I think it'd be better if we generalized it. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, it, I don't really think there's too much stigma inside our system in Sh particular. Sure. You know, uh, I, at least I don't get that feeling, but then again, you know, it's like, I didn't do the time in Taipei to like absorb the system. I didn't do the things. So, you know, and I know that there's, you know, there could be friction there, but uh, you know, I'm not sure. So I don't really want to, I don't really have any comment on that, but I think in, you know, sort of a broader level is a bigger question about, you know, maybe Chinese martial arts in general. Um, you know, is that okay? Is it okay to go ask maybe other people in your lineage? Maybe, maybe, you know, if you have a teacher who's been teaching for 20 years, you know, you're obviously going to have some people who are ahead of you. You're going to have some people who are behind you. And is that okay? And I, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a clean answer there. Or other Shingi practitioners. I know you talk to other people that do Shingi and oh, other sure. people that do Bagua yeah, yeah. that are not in our lineage. Totally. So, you know, and there's such a funny, maybe not, maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's not funny. 
you know, we look at other education fields like physical education, hmm. like kettlebell training, like mace training. You know, the mace world, God bless them. They've got a lot of politics in it right now. And hmm. that's just a a burgeoning system. Sure. You know, I mean, it's been around for thousands of years, but with the metal mace, that's that's a modern invention. Right. And I think it's only been around since 2006, and we've already got controversy and weirdness around it. And so, you know, you don't see it like math. Mm-hmm. I, I can think of nine math teachers I've had over the course of my life. I can think of, you know, nine history that. teachers that I've had over the sure. course of my life and different histories too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at some of the advanced English courses that I took over at Mesa when it was a state college back in the day. Go Mavericks. And I'm going to do a shout out to their women's wrestling team. Those guys are amazing. Uh, check out the uh, Colorado Mesa Mavericks women's wrestling team if you can. So, yeah, the the thing is, though, is I took a Harlem Renaissance literature class, which is hands down one of the favorite things that I've ever done. And not only did I learn literature, but I was learning the history of Harlem. You have these blended things of literature and history, but no one would bat an eye because I had multiple English teachers for an English literature degree. But you have more than one teacher in a system or a lineage and the, the politics come in left and right. And I think maybe maybe you do have to look at history and where these systems were developed, mm. where, you know, in the past, if a teacher gave out all the secrets right away, all of a sudden the students off teaching on their own. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Or all of a sudden, you know, the teacher might die. You know, there, there's there's all these, you know, stories that are related to it. And you have to acknowledge that. Sure. You know, the, yeah. pa- the past is, is a real tangible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, you know, legend is interwoven into it or not, you have to look at maybe there's a lesson or a moral that's tied in with the legend itself. For sure, yeah. But as a teacher and as an educator, we do not live in the West. Or, excuse me, in the East, pardon. You know, we don't live in the East. Yeah, and it's not It's not it. ancient times. And we're having to bring these classical systems into a modern context. Sure, yeah. And, I mean – you know, I think that, that for me, those two points are kind of the, the main things that, that come up in my head when I start thinking about this topic is because you've got several – I mean, so if you have a teacher who's been teaching a long time, they're going to have those senior students who go out and teach. And maybe those students are back again to sort of refer to what we were talking about before, that maybe that person is their successor. Maybe this person is – you know, uh, a person who is sort of designated to, to, to follow up the lineage and to be the sort of next one in line. And, you know, maybe there's multiple people who are in that same position, but you know, did that person, is that person teaching in the same town? Did that person, you know, was there a falling out, uh, with their teacher? I mean, we've touched on that before, but I think that, um, you know, I think economics plays a, a lot into those sorts of you know, these, these, these types of lineage issues, but being able to, to ask for somebody else in your lineage for a different point of view. And so then, okay, then how do we define lineage? You know, if you were talking about, you know, Ip Man, okay. You're talking about, oh, Wen Chung. Okay. Well, is that how we, is that how you're going to define lineage? Or are you going to define lineage with some particular teacher inside who studied with Ip Man, you know, and, and what of their branches, branches, you know, it's kind of like Gao and, you know, his system. So so if I say, oh, well, it's just the Gao system. Well, that's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different branches doing a lot of different things these days. Yeah. Weren't you saying he almost had like a, 
And it's so funny because you look at these teachers and it's almost like artists when they had their red and blue period. Yeah, sure. And stuff like yeah. that. You know, didn't you say that Gao basically had five different iterations of how he manifested the system? Because at least with the Ipman, I can definitely think of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, I, I, I imagine. I mean, because Gao taught for a long time. And um, so it's difficult to, I would say, to pin down, like, really how many different sort of lineages or variations he had. He had his his senior students, and he recognized certain branches. And really, I think that's kind of the best way to define it. But it's like some of those – some people who got his system, uh, you know, they, had, they got it early on. And some people, you know, they got it much later. Um, and those – there's a lot of variation between those two different types of systems. There's not any Hotians in the uh, early versions, is there? Yeah. They is, still have Hotians. There? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he – I mean I don't – I mean I imagine once he le- he started teaching Bagua like for a little while, there, there – I don't know if he, if he had codified his Hotians. Uh, the rumor was – and I may be wrong here. But the rumor was is that when he was in Shandong – um, he had a, a he had a number of students there who who were like high profile. They were good martial artists, and they were studying with him. And um, they helped him sort of codify his, all sixty four of his hotians. But previous to that, his his Bagua teacher had like verifiably at least like half that many. Um, but he didn't call them hotians. Like in the Chengtinghua systems, they they had these Hotians, these straight line pieces, but they were really just, they were practice pieces so that they could break out applications from the, from the Shintian form. Gao just, when a part of his genius was he, he really uh, codified them into individual forms. And then he actually built training pieces on top of those forms. And then that, you know, that became like really what Gao style was about. So he, he made some, he made some innovations and did a few different things. Awesome.